0: Um another thing we were talking about different languages uh when you guys rename this church does anyone know that ane means donkey in french you guys want to rename it something else ami means uh, buddy or friend in french uh so that might be a good choice if we're looking for a new looking for a new missions uh, sending name uh. Sorry guys yeah well, what organization are you with oh we're with donkey it's no big deal you have probably never heard of it oh donkey yeah, this is a group of friend. Oh, okay, that's cool. All right, so um, <laughs> all right, so we're gonna turn the corner here. Uh, so those of you who've been at this church for any length of time, those of you who were at World Mandate, missions, 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 blah blah blah. Right? You're hearing about missions. You're I, getting this idea of missions. You're wondering why everyone refers to other countries as the nations. Okay? You're like, what is the deal? Why is missions being talked about all the time? Why is it so important at this church? And here's, here's, I want to give this to you and not be a trite answer. We need to have an answer about why missions is important. We need to have an answer about why missions is important. And there are many reasons that it's important. But guys, I want to give us a reason today that missions is important that comes from the person of Jesus. And not Jesus, the Sunday school answer, but Jesus, the person, guys. That's why missions is important. That's why it makes sense. That's why it's the passion of Antioch. That's why it's the passion of the church. Okay? Um, Let me get John 20, verses 19 through 22 up here. I'm a little old school. I'm going from the NIV 84. All right, context. Jesus just came back from the dead. So Jesus comes back from the dead. He meets with his disciples. They're probably all thinking, you just came back from the dead! Oh my gosh! Right? Right? And there's, in one of the other Gospels, that, you know, Jesus is like, don't be afraid. Can you imagine? The, gospel, the, the, the Apostles are probably floored. Jesus just came back from the dead and shows up during their prayer meeting. Okay? And, um, and, so, and so I'm going to bring this passage uh, before you guys to make the point that, that Jesus is the reason we're passionate about missions, And we go to the uttermost because God came to us. Take a look at this. Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands. That's where the nails went. He showed them his side where the spear went. It says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine it? It says again. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Give you that last part one more time. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in a nutshell, that's what Antioch is about. It's what World Mandate is about. It's what the global activity of God is about. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. So we gather at a conference. We want to meet with Jesus. We're looking for a place of encounter. Not a mental one. Not just an emotional one. We want to be in the presence of Jesus. We want to encounter his death on the cross. He comes in. He's like, this really happened. Right? He's bringing them face to face with his death on the cross. And he's giving them the same commission that he received from his father. He says, as the father sent me, so I am sending you. And check out the last thing he does. Right? So we come to world mandate and... And we're receiving this commission to go, 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 to be a part of the sending of the people of God to every nation. And look at this last thing Jesus does. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And these are the things we all do together, as a church, all together, at the conferences and everywhere else. So what does it mean? What does it mean when Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. What does that mean? All right, let's take a look more closely at that. Um, I'm gonna have to talk about something theological. Any theology students in here? Any MDiv holders? Heck yeah! Come on. All right. So I don't have one. I just think it's cool. All right. So we're gonna talk about a term called the incarnation, which, if you speak Spanish, means "incarnate." So, like, to be in the meat, right? No, to be. To become in the flesh, guys. So the incarnation was God coming in the flesh. And so, so Jesus uh, had two natures. So he was fully human and fully divine. Now I'm going to unpack this a little bit, but you're not going to get all the way there. There's always going to be a bit of mystery in the incarnation. But Jesus, fully divine. So in Jesus, if he came in and he said hello to you and talked with you, if he, if he comforted you, he put his hand on you. If he said something like, your sins are forgiven. Right? The speaking of Jesus was the, were the words of God. The emotions that Jesus felt, it was the heart of God. Right? The deeds that Jesus did, they were the works of God. Fully divine. He had all power, all authority, all understanding, all wisdom. Jesus was divine. Fully. But check this out. Jesus was fully human, just like you and me. Jesus was born. He grew up. He got older. He got tired. He got hungry. And so, so Jesus, fully human and fully divine. Look what, look what Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says. This is just to give us a window on how beautiful the incarnation of Jesus was. I want you to get a grip on, on the beauty of how God... Um, came to earth as a man, as a human being. The Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were made by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, of the church. That's us. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in all things he might have the supremacy. Some translations say the preeminence. Now get this part. For God was pleased to have all. His fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Man, do you guys feel the majesty of the person of Jesus in this passage? For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's the kind of God I want to follow. That's the kind of Jesus that I want to know. Not a philosopher, not a teacher. All his fullness dwelt in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself. And the birth and the life and the death of Jesus. It's a perfect expression of God coming close to man. Think about it. The birth of Jesus, his perfect life, his sacrificial death on the cross. It's a perfect picture. It's the image of God among men. He came so close to us. Puts me in awe. And he made peace through his death on the cross. In a nutshell, again, it's the mission's life. It's the world mandate. I spent the week trying to think of a good illustration about how to explain just what a long way Jesus had to come to be close to us. So you think of somebody like Tom Brady, right? He's the image of our Patriots' ideal. So if, if he's trying to be incarnate, incarnate presence, we're talking about he takes off his Patriots jersey. That alone is going to bother us. He quits the Patriots team, quits football entirely, and he goes to Philadelphia. And he doesn't just tell people, about how he loves them. He goes and lives in some neighborhood where people don't like the patriots just to be with them. Just to be with them. That's an incarnate expression. Um, I, yeah. tell, tell him I said I dare you, right? All right. So, so Jesus died. He was resurrected from the dead. He appeared to his disciples. And he returned to heaven. He went up to heaven. And he promised... That he would send the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit would live inside of us. That this Holy Spirit would show us what God is like. He'd make us able to understand God's word. He'd put us in relationship continually with God himself. And if the Bible says that Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking to us. We're the disciples of Jesus today. And he said, as the Father sent me... So I am sending you. And if that's for us, if we're going to live that out, we have to know what it means to live in the way that God sent Jesus. So take a look here. Jesus was sent by his father and he went all the way. He went all the way. He didn't go part way. He didn't go just as far as he felt comfortable. He went all the way. Guys, um, he went all the way. So you think about Ashley, right? She, She was here. She had a great life. She was preaching the gospel. She was making disciples. But she left it all. She went to North Africa. And from North Africa, she's serving God there. She's learning the language there. She's making it. She's preaching the gospel. But what is God doing? He's saying, go to this even more remote area. And when she's in the more remote area, praying, seeking God, what is God saying? Go to the remote village in the remote area. And when she's there, they're praying, they're seeking God. What is God saying? Saying go to this random place in the remote village, in the remote area. Right? And continually, we're seeking Jesus not just to go, but to go all the way. And here's another thing. It says uh, says, uh, that Jesus took on... uh, the very nature of a servant it says that he humbled himself unto death, even death on a cross. And so the way that God sent Jesus and the way that Jesus came to us was that he took on the nature of a servant and he humbled himself. Now guys, there's, there's something in our desire in missions that we want to be recognized. We want to feel like we made a splash. We want to feel like someone looked at it as a, as a success. But none of that matters to God. Jesus humbled himself. One translation says he emptied himself. That needs to be our approach to mission. And we need to take on the, the very nature of a servant. If we want to feel special and important, gosh, missions is not for us. Okay? You want to feel like a somebody don't move to the middle of nowhere and try to serve people who don't want you there. Okay. Jesus took on the nature of a servant. He went in total humility. To serve people who didn't like him mostly. And here's another one. Jesus paid a price to reach us. Now, um, we make a lot of fuss about, the, about glorifying the sacrifices involved in mission. We talk about, Oh, so-and-so, they could have been this. They could have had this opportunity. They laid it down. It's such a big deal. Look at the glory of that. Right? And at the same time, we also struggle with these tiny things that are irritating to us. Now, we host short-term teams from all over the country for Antioch, and we host a lot of short-term teams from Antioch-Brighton. They're, they're our favorite ones, hands down. ADS, college, bring us all the teams you can give us. We love you guys. But when I dialogue with you guys, you're, you're working through the same things I was working through on my short-term trip. I don't like this food. What is that smell? <laughs> I'm getting sick, and I don't know Why? Right? Are you sure that I have to do this? You know, and so we're dealing with these tiny things, and they really affect us. Jet lag, you know. I can't tell you how many people have complained about the airline food. You know, like I'm, I'm like orienting them to Moroccan culture, and they're like, "Oh, the airline food didn't agree with me." I was like, "Oh man, the airline food didn't agree with you." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to tell you about everything else that's going to happen to you here. Um, but we get derailed and distracted by these tiny things. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even call them sacrifices. But we got to put it in context. Jesus paid a price to draw near to us. Not just the price of dying on the cross, but he suffered. He was rejected. People hated him. He had to hide and run for his life. He paid a price to be near to us. <laughs> okay, one price that we pay in our family... Uh, to, to, to take an approach to this incarnate ministry is that we made a decision in our marriage that whatever we do to show love to our children that is not dangerous or sinful, we're going to say yes to. Right? And so in our, in our culture in North Africa, when someone wants to show love to children, it's spelled S-U-G-A-R. Right? I don't know. Any nutritionists out here? Anybody nutritionist? How many, how many grams a day of sugar should a child consume? Zero grams. Okay. Well, I'm, tell- <laughs> I'm telling you guys... We, we take our children to go into the homes of the people that are around us to love them and be a part of their family. And I'm telling you, pile of cookies. And we, our children know the rule. Unlimited, unlimited access. Cookie after cookie, plates of cookies being stuffed into this tiny three-year-old. And then, and then the, the people, the host will be like, oh, you've had so many cookies. You better drink some tea to wash that down. Evie's like, caffeinated tea? Sugar tea, absolutely, down first cup, down second cup, right? I have to parent this child when, it co- when she comes home, okay? <laughs> Jesus paid a price. He, t- he paid a price to draw near to people, and we are going to pay whatever price it takes, not just for ourselves, but for our kids, for our family, for our marriage, okay? We are going to pay the price. Jesus paid the price. And we're paying a price to draw near to people to whom no one else is going to draw near. Growing up in the United States, I don't know how many of you were Christians from the start, but I certainly was not. And I had many people who tried to share the gospel to me. Some well, some not so well. But I had a lot of opportunities. But the fact is, on planet Earth today... The four plus billion people who don't know Jesus don't know Jesus because there's nobody to tell them. And how is God going to draw near to them? Jesus came, er, came to earth to be incarnate a presence of God among men. Who's going to be an incarnate presence among four plus billion human beings? Most of whom are going to go from the cradle to the grave. Without a single person who, who not, not just, not, not even sharing the gospel to them. Without a person who knows Jesus in their life. Yeah, among the, among the 3.1 billion Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists in the world, people groups, 81% do not personally know a single Christian. Yeah, that's, that's the absolute truth. Now, if we believe that God wants an incarnate presence to make real the gospel to every person, we have got to send human beings. They've got to change geography from here to there, and they've got to come near. All right, so I wanted to try and give you guys a concrete example of this incarnational missions life. Going out as Jesus was sent. Drawing near as God drew near. And the best I could think of uh, was a guy named Chad Rush, who is a part of my own story, coming to the Lord. So uh, I, I'm from a people group known as the Eastern Cities Linguistic Region. You may have heard it already when I say God instead of saying God or whatever you guys say. Uh, and when I say calendar and challenge, the worst is, the worst is scavenger hunt, uh, when I used to send teams on those. Um, but the Eastern Cities Linguistic Region, that's my people group. You know, you're from, you're from Ohio, that's my people group, okay? Um, uh, <laughs> and it is not an unreached people group, guys. It's a reached people group. But when I was in high school, I was in a punk ska band, and my people group was the punk rock scene. And I'm telling you, it was not a reached people group. It was a people group antagonistic to the gospel, and I was an angry young atheist who thought the gospel was stupid. I thought it was foolishness. And I thought that Christians were a bunch of weak-minded people who just couldn't get through life any other way. And, um, and that's what the majority of my friends thought, too. And we were just trying to, to rage at the world with music and with everything else about our culture. And, uh, but there was a guy who decided that he was going to be an incarnate presence inside our little world. And his name was Chad Rush. And he looked like some dude from the front of the Wheaties box. I mean, tall, tall. Like, does anyone remember Mike Ledebauer? Like, just super clean cut, like Captain America type of guy. And uh, he would come to our punk rock shows. The dude was 30 years old, and he had children. And he was coming to our high school punk rock shows, dressed in his, like, collegiate sweatshirt, okay? But he was there. He was an incarnate presence in our world. He drew near. And you would got to be thinking that's never going to work. But Chad's approach was so simple He would go to these guys who were hard as a rock. I mean, the angriest guys in our little world. And he would say the simplest things to them. He'd say, tell me about your family. I want to pray for you. He'd say, I've been praying for your mom. I've been praying for your mom. Is she doing okay? And these guys would come unglued. I'm telling you, they would come unglued. I mean, you'd look at these guys walking down the street, and you'd be like, oh, man. I don't even want, I'm going to lock the door on my car when he walks by. People with piercings, people who are tough as nails. And Chad would say, how is your mom doing? I've been praying for your mom. And these guys would break down. They would come unglued. And it was so simple, but he was an incarnate presence of Jesus. He made the love of God so real to us. And he knew that he wasn't going to be all the way like us, but he became enough like us by coming to our place and caring about us. Guys, and people came to Christ. They came to Christ. They came to Christ. It took a long time for their lives to get turned around. It took a long time for mine. But gee whiz, guys. He introduced us to who Jesus was. He made Jesus real to us inside our little world. And it changed everything. And that's us today. That's our team. That's our life. That's our passion. Anybody ever work with us overseas? Raise your hand if you've worked with my team overseas. Actually, stand up. All right. These people you're looking at, these are the, come on. Now you guys can sit back down. Guys, these are the culture commandos. Now the highest, the highest word we use to describe an excellent missionary, a person who is doing what we believe is, is mission at the highest level, we call them the culture commandos. And this is our ideal. It's our ethic. And what is a culture commando? We used to actually train we, we, our, poor, our poor one-year interns uh, and three-month interns. We'd make them stand at attention. And we'd yell at them, what is a culture commando? And poor Grace Crumpag is like, a culture commando goes deeper and deeper into culture. Right? <laughs> and we'd say, I can't hear you, Crumpag. And she said, oh, we go deeper and deeper into culture. <laughs> right? But we, <laughs> but we are so serious about this, guys. That's our passion. That's our ideal. It's the standard we hold ourselves to. The culture commandos are going to go all the way. We didn't travel to the distant corners of the planet just to sort of diddle around and do a little mission. And we didn't just go there to be incarnate by just being there. We went there to, be, to, be, to do mission on their terms. Right? Why did God become a man? He brought the message on your terms. He was still perfect. He was still totally divine. But he brought the message in a way that made sense to us. And that's what we do. That's what a culture commando is. Right? We bring mission on their terms. We make the gospel as real as we can. And we're not just saying, oh, this person knows me. They have access to the gospel. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us to give us boldness and passion so that we can preach the word of God with boldness. First of all, to be there. Second of all, to be the incarnate presence of Jesus. And third of all, to preach with great boldness. Now, I asked a number of people um, to pray and wait on the Lord for this message. I said, I'm not, I'm not normally a part of this church. So I needed some people who are a part of this church to exercise the prophetic gift. Say, what is God speaking? And a lot of the people, a lot of the prophetic words were about how we walk in intimacy with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes everything possible in mission. And the second thing was the specific word that when you interact with somebody in Boston, it's like there's this sort of force field around them, this sort of bubble Around them where their perception of themselves, their idea about uh, being important, about having gone to a good college or having an important career or being a somebody insulates them from the gospel. And the specific prophetic word for us as a church was that God is giving us some kind of a scalpel that opens that up and we go inside and we make the incarnate presence of Jesus real beyond this random shell to try and keep people out of who we really are. And that's who we are. We're going through social convention to bring the gospel all the way. All right. Now let's turn again to John 20. We can bring that up on the screen. All right. Uh, the band is going to come on up and uh, we're going we're to look one more time at John 20 and, and then talk about how to respond here to what Jesus is doing. As the Father has sent me. So I am sending you. Jesus became a man. He became a human being. Wayne Grudem says that the incarnation is the greatest miracle of all the miracles. Greater even than the creation of the universe, because the universe at least is finite. But when God came to live in a person, when Jesus came to earth when he was dwelt by the fullness of God. That was something infinite. It was something infinite that came to earth. And if you're a Christian alive in 2018, you're going to hear the word presence of God a lot. Presence of God, presence of God. We really felt the presence of God. We just want the presence of God. It's all about the presence of God. But you might be asking yourself, what is the presence of God? Is it just that feeling we get? When we're in a worship time, I want to submit to you that the presence of God is being near to Jesus, guys. It's being in the presence of God. The presence of God is God. Because <laughs> Jesus was all the fullness of God in human form. And look what he says to his disciples back here look what he look what he says he comes back from the grave everybody's wanting to say to him something like what was it like being dead for three days right but instead what is he doing he's coming face to face with the people he loves the people that have stuck with him through everything and he's showing them the wounds in his hands he's showing them the wound in his side he's making it all so real to them and he says two things says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he doesn't just put this burden on them and then leave them to figure it out. He doesn't just give them this commission with no power. The very next thing he does is he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he's not a televangelist who's smacking them on the forehead to get them laid out on the ground. Jesus is so casual, so natural. What could be more natural than breathing? It's just, it says he breathed on them. There's no manipulation to it at all. Jesus just breathes on them. And the breath of Jesus was the breath of God. And when he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Guys, the apostles were not made of some kind of supernatural stuff. But they were people filled with the presence of God. And that's for us today. So here are my challenges to you, Antioch-Brighton. Who is going to incarnate this message of salvation to 3.1 billion Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims, 81% of whom do not even personally know a Christian? Even if they had a dream of Jesus, they don't have anyone they could ask who would know the answer. Jesus came so close to us. He came so close to us is God in human form. God didn't send a drone. He didn't send you an iMessage. Okay? God came close. And he sent his 12 apostles. He filled them up with the Holy Spirit. He sent them out to preach the gospel all over the world. And Antioch Brighton is the direct result of the way that they obeyed God. My final challenge to you guys it is to look at the original Antioch. The original Antioch. I am not talking about Waco, Texas, guys. The original Antioch. Acts 13. It says that, that in Syrian Antioch, they gathered together in prayer and fasting. And you thought No Shave November was something. Wait till fasting February, guys. It says that they gathered together in prayer and in fasting. And it wasn't human activity that sent out their missionaries. It was the activity of God. It said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. And it was as simple as that. And they sent them out. A little bit of money, a bag of lunch, get out of here. Right? We could do a little better than that, I think. <laughs> but that's my challenge to you. That if you have a month of fasting and prayer coming up, have a tender heart towards the activity of God. Be the original Antioch again here in, in Brighton. And this, this call to be an incarnate messenger, if you've, been, if you've been paying attention, you know that this is not just for foreign countries and foreign cultures and foreign languages. It's a call to cross ethnic and social and economic lines in Brighton and for sure in Roxbury. Roxbury. And it's a call to go to the Madarees, the Sulawesi in Indonesia, to reach the the Khmer in Cambodia, to be involved in all the countries of North Africa and all across the earth where people don't know Jesus. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we ask for grace right now. Lord, you didn't pressure people to go. You just said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So, Lord, we receive it in Jesus' name. We don't turn aside. Though we don't claim that we can do this. But we just say yes to you. And, Lord, you breathed on your disciples. You came face to face with them. Lord, that's the kind of experience we want. Lord, we know that we cannot handle this. Lord, we know that there is not power in ourselves to fulfill anything you've asked us to do. We need a power that comes from God we need a filling of the Holy Spirit and Lord all of us we long to be close to God we long to be in your presence and we know that there is no closer place no more intimate place than to be inhabited by God Lord we want to know your Holy Spirit Lord we say we're willing to go we say we're willing to go would you come Father would you come and touch our hearts Lord we just want to be with you Lord, we want to encounter the cross again. Would you show us your hands, Lord? Would you show us your side, Lord? We love you. And we're with you on the journey, God. Would you help us as a church to go all the way? Lord, we love you. And in Jesus' name, I break off any pressure, Lord. Any pressure that is not from the Lord, I break it off. And I say that everyone is free to follow God. But Lord, those who you're calling, Lord, you make it uh, plain and possible, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks, John. Um, you guys can stand as as we go into a time of worship, and I want to invite, if, if you want to pray for people this morning, if you want to be part of our prayer team, you guys come on up and, and stand on the sides. And as as John was preaching, I was praying and asking God, and and I feel like that even in this month of fasting that's coming up for us, some of you are just hearing about that right now and are like I don't even know what that means but but I, I feel like God is wanting to pour pour out a heart again for the nations in this month a, a heart of intercession that that there's something in this month about prayer that God is highlighting to us and so as John was preaching as he's talking about being the incarnation of Jesus of being Jesus to around you of, of sacrificing I want to invite us all to ask God to, to wait on him in this time what does it mean to fast in this month what God can I can I sacrifice to to become more like you and 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 if you if you want prayer this morning to receive the Holy Spirit to receive more of God to have an understanding of who Jesus is, I want you to come forward. If you want to receive a heart for the nations to understand, I, I don't even know totally what missions is, but I want that developed in me. There's a part of God's heart that I don't fully know, or, or I used to have the fire, and I need to repent and confess for to have God's heart again for people who don't know them. And so we, we have a few minutes here. If you have children um, upstairs, if, if one parent could go get your kids, but we're going to stay here a couple more minutes and just respond to God. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want someone to pray for you for anything...